Hey everyone, welcome to Scholars in Spotlight. Um, so today's episode, we have Oslem Onaren. Um, she is the co-director of the Institute of Political Economy, Governance, Finance and Accountability. She's also the professor of economics. Welcome, uh, Oslem. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm very well. It's very a pleasure nice. to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Did I did I got your name right? If if I didn't. Perfect. Yeah? Thank you. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So you are in this center here at University of Greenwich. You are working on a research, which I'm really excited to know the details. I've read a little bit of it, but I would love you to just start maybe from uh, how you came into working here in University of Greenwich uh, or uh, how did you go to the project and what does that maybe even mean to you? Uh, I have uh, moved to Britain in 2010 and I have worked at two other universities before uh, I came uh, to Greenwich. Obviously, why Britain is obvious, uh, it's the center of higher education and it is uh, in particular uh, very important uh, in terms of economics, uh, research and teaching. Uh, but why Greenwich uh, dates back to some very important sources of inspiration for me uh, in developing my own research agenda, my care starting from uh, the years of my PhD as a young uh, researcher. Uh, Philip Aristis uh, was one of uh, the very inspirational uh, researchers uh, and, and professors uh, in terms of shaping my thinking in economics. And Philip had been uh, here at uh, what was then the Thames uh, Polytechnic from 1974 uh, to uh, late 1980s. And uh, the why I first heard about Thames Polytechnic was a working paper series Philip Aristis had edited when he was uh, at Greenwich, uh, the the so-called uh, Thames Papers in Political Economy, uh, with some very prominent uh, thinkers in economics uh, as part of the uh, authors of the series, ranging from starting with actually John Robinson, including uh, late uh, Hyman Minsky, late Fred Lee, uh, among others. Uh, Vicky Cech, uh, who is uh, one of the most prominent uh, Keynesian uh, scholars uh, of our time today, also based in Britain, had also written for the Thames uh, Papers in Political Economy. So I had read several contributions. I uh, used to cite uh, one of them by Rothorn uh, very often uh, in my PhD and the papers I published out of my PhD. So when I moved to uh, Britain, Philip Aristis was a very uh, important uh, mentor and role model for me uh, said that he wasn't at the University of Greenwich uh, anymore but when the opening at Greenwich came it for me always uh, represented this uh, legacy so one of the first things I did after I came here was to launch what we now call Greenwich Papers in Political Economy uh, it is basically continuing Thames Papers in Political Economy which had ended in 1989 and I have to say I have uh, gone through the uh, extra mile to collect each uh, hard copy of the Thames Papers in Political Economy and with the help of the great librarians we have here uh, at Greenwich, we have digitalized them and they are now available uh, under the website uh, publications tag of uh, one of our centers in the Institute of PECFA uh, under the center uh, Greenwich Political Economy Research Center. 
Wow, that 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 was interesting. There is a strong link, yes. Yeah, wow. This is yeah, this is great. So all these papers uh have some sort of a uh, uh, chronological track or how you have put it in there. They the were website. quarterly working papers okay. by invitation uh, from 1974 to 89. Um, then uh, it was interrupted. Now uh, uh, we are having this legacy and we have about uh, 100 working papers and policy briefs. They're all free and online available in the new series of Greenwich Papers in Political Economy and policy briefs. But we have also uh, uploaded that uh, 15 years worth of wow. uh, legacy uh, in a digitalized yeah. way. Uh, and we have that, of course, hard copies in the library too. So if anyone here from Greenwich, any of the students, what kind of uh, subjects or what do you think who would get help from it if they want to go and check it out? So maybe some of the students are not aware that it would be useful for them so if you have um, any kind of um, suggestions about, okay, if you're, you know, reading or in business or economy, or if you are even doing some sort of a social research course, who could it be useful for? Obviously, if they take our economics courses, we teach that stuff. Uh, we pride ourselves in teaching a very broad range of economics in the spirit of pluralism and economics uh, in uh, different uh, schools of thought. Uh, and we also cover a very broad range of socially relevant questions that are relevant to the real world and uh, lives of people, ranging from inequality to unemployment to finance and society, crises, financial instability. Uh, so anyone uh, who is studying with us would be familiar with names like uh, Hyman Minsky, John Robinson, uh, the the great uh, founders of uh, contemporary economic theories, or uh, the contemporary economists like Philip Aristides or uh, Vicky Chick. Uh, so they would uh, be aware of that literature. Uh, other students who are coming from uh, different disciplines who are again interested in socially relevant questions that do intersect with uh, economics. If they make a Google search, I'm sure that will come uh, at the top of their list, but uh, the library has itemized these items and we organize a lot of events at Greenwich that's open to all scholars and all students. Uh, when they uh, come, they get interested in what we do and our website, uh, GPERC, uh, as a center within the Institute of PECFA uh, is a very well organized website. So hopefully uh, that will be very easy for them to track these Brilliant. resources. Brilliant. So now this project, now how, what is the, are you calling this research? So if there a title or a name, how did you uh, started this research and who, are you working with some other people uh, here in Greenwich? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, both the causes of multiple dimensions of inequalities and the consequences of these inequalities has been a very uh, strong uh, focus point of uh, my research as well as uh, several colleagues uh, at the Institute of uh, PECFA. And uh, last year we had completed a major research project on the causes of rising inequality with my colleague, uh, Dr. Alex Gushansky, that was funded by the Institute of New Economic Thinking. Again, all our working papers out of that project are now available uh, at the uh, 
uh, Greenwich papers in uh, political economy and we try to turn them into also non-technical policy briefs for scholars uh, or policymakers or simply the citizens who are not uh, familiar with technical economics but who want to understand the findings and policy implications of that research. Uh, currently, we are just about to complete uh, a new pro uh, research project that's continuing the line of the consequences of rising inequality. That is a uh, joint research again with one of my uh, colleagues, Dr. Uh, Cem Oivat uh, at the University of Greenwich. And we have worked together with a former PhD student uh, of us, uh, Dr. Yurdisi uh, Fotopoulou on this uh, project. And this is funded by um, Rebuilding Macroeconomics Network Plus. Uh, that is funded by uh, ESRC, the Economic and Social Research Council of uh, Britain. And in this new research project, we are looking at the effects of three dimensions of inequalities on the macroeconomic performance in the UK. We look at inequality between wages and profits, so the functional income distribution between labor and capital. We look at gender pay and employment gaps between men and women. And we look at also wealth inequality, particularly wealth concentration, thus the rise in the share of the top 1% in total wealth uh, in the UK. So UK has seen a deterioration in terms of falling labor share compared to where it was in 1970s. It has also experienced at the same time, particularly since 1980s, a very steep rise in the concentration of wealth going back to early days of the post-Second World War era. And gender pay gap uh, is one of the highest in the UK compared to other developed uh, economies, despite the gains that has been done in terms of uh, access to education, equality in terms of uh, attainment. Women are still substantially lagging behind uh, men in terms of average pay. And there is a very strong segregation in terms of occupational segregation. And women also tend to still do as high as two-thirds of all the unpaid care work in the domestic sphere. Um, so these inequalities are persisting uh, and they have an, an adverse effect on the macroeconomic outcomes in the UK, ranging from output to employment and uh, most uh, importantly, productivity that is output per hour. UK is again one of the countries with the lowest labor productivity in terms of output produced per hour of work among the advanced countries in the world. So we try to see how inequalities affect uh, macroeconomic performance. And we also are interested in what the governments can do in terms of using in particular fiscal policy in terms of public spending decisions, but also taxation uh, decisions, taxation of income as well as wealth to uh, create an environment that's more conducive to equality, uh, good jobs, high employment rights, but also high productivity. Okay. So in the one of the things you mentioned about gender pay gap, uh, are there any further dimensions uh, which you have explored in what are the maybe reasons or is it just about what the number of uh, average pay gap is or in the research are there also reasons which could then be tackled by whatever policy guidelines you are uh, producing? The This research project is in particular about the 
effects of closing the gender pay and employment gaps rather than uh, trying to explain why we have these gaps. But obviously, we try to come up with a policy mix that will be uh, conducive to closing uh, these gaps. Uh, in particular, the results we have uh, show that if we, if we want to seriously solve the UK's inequality problem, ecological sustainability problem and productivity puzzle, uh, we need to invest in the care economy and the green economy. And of course, the question then is, how is the uh, government uh, going to fund such investment? And the conclusion we have is taxation of not just income, but in particular wealth offers a sustainable, viable policy solution to fund a massive mobilization of public investment in the care economy and the green economy. So in particular, we present a policy alternative to increase public investment in what we call social infrastructure. That's what we call the purple economy or the care economy, as well as the physical infrastructure, in particular in the green economy, uh, mixed with creating decent jobs and creating labor market institutions that are conducive to rising wages of both women and men with an aim to close gender pay gaps, but in the fashion of an upward convergence between men and women with uh, wages of both uh, types of workers increasing, mixed with a progressive taxation of income as well as wealth. So um, one of the things you mentioned is the um, green economy and care economy. If uh, just if you could explain it a little bit about green economy and also give a definition. I think the social economy is the term which you used a purple economy and and that is about uh, certain types of jobs which you can invest in if I get it right and that could help build this social infrastructure from the point of view of individuals and also through gender who are actually going through you can imagine this disparity but it would be it would be really useful i think for me to understand yeah the physical infrastructure uh investment that we are proposing in the research proposal um in our opinion given the urgent questions of our time is to focus on investing public investment uh, to promote uh, and support ecological sustainability. And therefore, we label that as the green physical public investment. And the key areas of priority here is uh, a massive mobilization of public investment in renewable energy and in public transport uh, and also in areas such as housing with an aim to build zero energy houses and also insulate the existing housing stock uh, to contribute to uh, a zero carbon, uh, a, a zero emission economy uh, at the earliest uh, convenience. Uh, and I think the private uh, sector will only follow suit if the public sector first paves the way in terms of leading these key investments. And if the urgency is to cut emissions substantially by 2030, 
uh, there has to be large amounts invested here uh, and not uh, left to uh, speculative motives or too little, too late uh, to come from private investment. So that's the green side of the economy. When we talk about the purple or care infrastructure, we deliberately use the word investment, public investment in infrastructure, in social infrastructure, and to get the attention of the citizens to the fact that today's national accounts and government policies do not consider the spending that we made uh, in teachers, nurses, uh, nursery teachers, or social care workers as investment. So just to give you an example, if you build a hospital, that building is seen as physical infrastructure and seen as public investment in infrastructure. But if we hire doctors and nurses to work in that hospital, that's seen as current spending rather than investment. The point we are making is the work of the nurses, doctors, in the same way uh, teachers and nursery teachers and also social care workers is investment in our human capabilities. Uh, people don't become uh, productive if they are not cared for adequately. And this care provision is not happening if there is not sufficient public provision of these uh, social services of health, social care, education and child care. So therefore, we are coining uh, a new terminology here, uh, building on decades of work of uh, women's organizations, in particular in the UK, such as the Women's Budget Group, who emphasize the investment nature of this caring labor. And we are saying the public sector has to hire more teachers, more nurses, more nursery teachers, more also social care workers and pay them a higher wage adequate with the value they contribute to the society because this is investment in our social fabric. This is investment in uh, the labor force. This is investment in the future of the children. Uh, it's well proven that one of the most important uh, contributions to the cognitive capacity of people is happening at the very early childhood education uh, years. So the role of nursery teachers is actually very important, but uh, they are often the ones who are at the very bottom of the uh, pay scale. Equally, you could say um, social care workers are uh, dealing with elderly people. So this is not something that's going to contribute in the same way as a teacher or a nurse or a doctor or a nursery teacher would contribute to productivity in the future. But uh, people need to be cared for. And if we don't provide that uh, infrastructure publicly, uh, people are being cared by women in the domestic sphere unpaid by the invisible labor of women. So if we give the women the choice uh, to participate in the labor force, if they choose to do so by providing these uh, care services as decent, high quality, well-paid public sector services, then actually those women who are doing that otherwise invisible and unpaid may be 
equal mm. partners in our community and economy, and that will automatically increase the productivity of our economy too. But also from a, a social uh, fabric perspective, this is investment in our social fabric. If we know that in old age there is adequate provision of care, we will all be more confident, more creative, more innovative workers. So uh, investing in social care workers as well as nursery teachers is actually what we label in this project as social care infrastructure. And the color purple comes from the color of feminism. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. I, I love it that um, you have um, joined somehow uh, eco-economy and also uh, what a traditional econ- uh, economics is about. It's, it's a ecosystem uh, of uh, different um, market forces which are working with the society. And then also, of course, in nature, we have another, um, our natural ecosystem. But it's it's great that you have both of these sides somehow together. So to make it not somehow um, separated from the bigger picture. So so it's truly a really good approach in macroeconomics. And uh, secondly, I think it's amazing that the research is telling that okay, so so women um, tend they are they are happen to be in these kind of sectors. And so, so, yeah, I mean, it's controversial sometimes that you want to uh, say that, determine that why they are there and how could we make them go. But you are saying, okay, the the situation is this and this is, these are the areas. So we can actually build a policy around the situation we have, which will empower these individuals who happen to be in either care industry or exactly the jobs which does not even pay anything and the women are caring in domestic area allow them through these economic policies to have the chance to participate in labor force now um, please tell me what if i'm saying I'm, i'm just repeating what i'm understanding and also the rise of gig economy through this uh, technology but actually if we understand where the market is right now and somehow create these policies through these research where the people who does not have a um, chance to participate in this uh, market force would then have a choice uh, to actually go in and maybe earn. And that means that they are also contributing to an overall cycle of this country, which somehow can then... Uh, close the gap and the disparity and that effect would also help the jobs even at uh, other genders uh, and of course for the men in different percentage maybe so that somehow this could be um, this could whole be moving towards uh, equality please yeah just yes of course uh, i mean did this investing in not just physical but also social infrastructure is first of all conducive to productivity that's good for the economy i'm not uh, uh hesitating for a moment to make the economic case for 
the importance of investing in the care economy. Hence, this is why we have the uh, confidence to call it infrastructure. It has a positive effect on aggregate output. But as you say, we want to move in terms of the objectives of economic policymaking from increasing gross domestic product or output towards increasing the well-being of people uh, in terms of uh, creating high numbers of uh, good jobs that pay well and that are equalizing, uh, that are decreasing uh, gender pay gaps, gender employment gaps, and uh, also the concentration of uh, wealth. So if you think about, of course, where we are currently, the more the government invests in the care economy, given the existing social norms and they determine the existing occupational segregation, there will be a lot of new jobs created that will be taken up by uh, women in these uh, health, uh, social care, education and child care uh, sectors. Um, now, however, we are also at the same time saying these have to be uh, valued jobs uh, in accordance with their contribution to our social well-being as opposed to the low-paid jobs there mm. now. That will be a channel through which social norms and occupational segregation accordingly mm. will be changing in time. If you create well-paid jobs in the care economy, men will start thinking these are really the jobs they will aspire for. And uh, the way to, of course, uh, increase the pay rates in these uh, sectors is also to create career pathways. I often think it's a terribly highly skilled job to take care of children, but we often don't offer enough education and career pathways in this very important valued sector. I often ask people, what do you value more, your money or your child? Well, to, to work in a bank as a banker, we uh, are getting people who are nuclear scientists, physicists, who have a PhD uh, in economics, whereas uh, to work as a nursery teacher, we are requiring uh, much fewer years of uh, schooling. Uh, the way to value these jobs is also to, to offer career uh, pathways and education pathways along uh, with which we can also offer uh, a, an improvement in uh, pay scales. Once this is valued adequately, uh, these will not become jobs where only we see uh, women concentrating. So purple jobs are jobs that will in a way revalue the care economy, free women from providing care in an unpaid fashion at all because there's not adequate provision of care, uh, but also it will uh, be jobs where we will redistribute care work, both in the paid and unpaid sector, meaning in the paid care work, uh, men will aspire to do these jobs because they will be high paid uh, jobs for highly educated people. Um, and obviously, as we provide this care infrastructure adequately, uh, there will be a reduction in the unpaid requirement we do at home. Uh, there will always be, however, some unpaid work we will need. And there the idea is to change the social norms such that both 
men and women do some care for our children and for our elderly, for our uh, disabled uh, loved ones uh, in an equal standing. And there is a lot to think about labor market policies that will be conducive to uh, one of the other uh, economists who has inspired me so much, uh, what Diane Elson had called, we need to recognize that there is unpaid care. We need to reduce the unpaid care by publicly providing some care infrastructure. And we need to redistribute that care work, both in the unpaid private domestic sphere, but also in the paid, uh, publicly provided um, sphere. So this is how such a policy mix would contribute to improving gender equality in terms of both pay and employment uh, between men and women. Um, so although we are not explaining the causes of the existing uh, gender pay gap and occupational segregation, the policies are offering channels through which we are able to uh, close such gaps. Yeah, brilliant. So it's it's interesting that many of the research centers uh, working on or researching on the future of jobs or future of work, they also talk that one of the most hopeful scenario or the one of the scenarios which they look is care economy as humans would then go into these care jobs because most of the jobs um, i mean of course it's a it's a future scenario who can predict future but that's just uh, uh, one of the things which they are mentioning that let's say algorithm and artificial intelligence or robotics can take so many jobs but one of the jobs which actually might be very feasible is the physical touch uh, caring and and emotions which still humans are more viable even if we you know want to look at it from a very uh, pragmatic point of view it's just it's hard to build robots which are um, touch and caring so it's better to just have but humans actually do enjoy it and as you mentioned with teaching i mean that's all what we have is our next generation to then take over and when we are putting less care or less investment into that i think it's a beautiful uh, uh point which you are mentioning and i was not i mean i haven't read uh the policy brief in detail but just listening to you right now uh it does make a lot of sense but there are a lot of um numbers where you where you mentioning about the policy mix is there anything is one of the numbers where GDP increases by 11%, but whatever the numbers are, is there any, do you think, is there any point or maybe a brief way of explaining how, what those numbers actually means, how they are coming from? Okay, so we are uh, offering a particular policy mix a, a government can implement every year uh, with some very gradual uh, steps. So the idea is to increase the public spending in social purple care infrastructure in education, child care, health and social care by one percentage point as a ratio to the size of the economy, the national pie, national income pie or the gross domestic product. Um, at the same time, increase the public physical green investment by again, one percentage point is a ratio to the gross domestic product of the economy and have this upward convergence in the wage rates of women by increasing 
women's hourly wage rate by 2% after controlling for inflation in real terms and men's uh, wage rate by 1%. And of course, uh, we are trying to make an economic case that this is a viable policy mix. Uh, so we are saying let's create also some tax revenues by increasing certain types of tax rates, in particular the tax rate on wealth, we propose to increase by uh, one percentage point and uh, increase the profit uh, income tax rate. At the same time, decrease the tax burden on labor by one percentage point. Mind you, the tax rate on wealth in Britain at the moment is less than one percentage point. When you increase it by another percentage point, this is equivalent to doubling it. That might strike you as a very uh, large increase. However, I wish to emphasize that um, before 1980, uh, the tax rate on wealth in Britain was about 2%. So we are saying, uh, let's try to uh, recover this fall in the tax rate on wealth, which is one of the core reasons in the rise in wealth inequality in this country and the concentration of wealth in the hands of a very small 1% uh, at the top. So if you implement all these policies, Output of the economy is increasing, the first thing. Hence, the output, gross domestic product, the national income in the UK, is driven by more equality as opposed to uh, what some would say uh, more inequality. In Britain, more equality leads to more output. Higher wage rates leads to more output and higher gender equality leads to more output. Hence, uh, output is wage-led, and it is also at the same time gender equality-led. That's a new term we have coined. And combining this wage-led output and gender equality-led output, overall we said output is equality-led uh, in Britain. UK develops with more equality, not with rising inequality. So what does that mean in terms of concrete um, numbers, we would get overall more output, more employment, not just for women, but also for men, overall more hours of work, and higher productivity, thus more output per hour uh, we work. So the gross domestic product, our national income pie, will increase as an outcome of this policy mix by 11%. That's a massive increase. Women's employment will increase in terms of hours of work by 10%. Men's employment will also increase by 6%, still very substantial. And in terms of the effect on the public purse, public budget, if anything, public debt as a ratio to our national income or gross domestic product will decrease. So the government is making a investment mobilization in both the care and green economy, but still public debt as a ratio to our income is decreasing by 10 percentage point. The One of the reasons behind it is, of course, our gross domestic product is increasing with more equality, but it's also the effect that comes from public investment in social and physical infrastructure that is creating demand for businesses and increasing uh, gross domestic product. This is contributing to creating more tax revenues. On top of it, if we 
slightly increase tax rights in a progressive way, meaning as people with a higher uh, ability to contribute, to contribute just a little bit more, and maybe along with that decrease the tax burden on those who can least uh, afford. As a mix, uh, we are having more tax revenue. So despite higher public spending, public debt as a ratio to GDP is improving in the sense that it's decreasing by a massive, again, 10 percentage uh, point. So in a way, the policy mix is a win-win uh, in terms of social, ecological, as well as uh, economic uh, sustainability. Brilliant, brilliant. It's, it's, it's like your intentions are based on these very positive concerns for the society. And you have this brilliant knowledge of uh, various factors of economics and you're moving the sliders up and down and there are nearly hundreds of sliders maybe. And I mean, then, yes, the output you're mentioning. So I guess that's what, I mean, anyone who's listening and wants to do economics, I think that's it. You can actually, you know, um, be aware of what kind of intentions you bring in to this subject and I think this is a very real uh, measurable change which could be brought into our society through our policies. Um, but yeah, I mean, is there anything else would you like to add to the it's, results? Yeah. yeah, I think what you said is very right that economics isn't rocket science and we have concrete uh, tools in our toolkit uh, to address multiple crises in terms of political uh, voice, uh, discontent with politics, uh, social outcomes, ecological crisis, as well as economic and financial uh, stability or instability for that matter of our economy. And I wish to highlight some of the uh, tools that are existing in our toolkit that we can mobilize, particularly in addition to, of course, uh, public spending and taxation policies, uh, which are, are very uh, clearly available uh, in our toolkit. Some labor market policies, such as, for example, increasing the current minimum wage would be a very effective way of achieving this upward convergence uh, in wages. Also giving more collective voice to working people through increasing the coverage of collective bargaining, giving more voice to the representatives of working people, to trade unions, in wage negotiations uh, are uh, tools that will help this upward convergence. And in terms of gender pay gaps, obviously we have an equal pay legislation. We have to work on enforcing that adequately and also think of ways of uh, higher pay rises, maybe in occupations that are at the bottom uh, half of the pay distribution pay scale, uh, where actually uh, women or ethnic minorities or migrants also constitute a large share of the workforce, all these labor market policies that we know already would have a very strong effect on not just output, but also our productivity. And if we mix them, combine them with a public investment mobilization, those increases in output and productivity can go along with creating also uh, more work. Now, I know it's a lot of information here, but for uh, people who want to know more about this, 
Uh, we have organized a conference on the 14th of October at Greenwich. Uh, we will present our results and we will also have research uh, presented by speakers from the United Nations International Labor Office, uh, from the OECD, uh, from the Women's Budget Group, which I have mentioned before in my talk as well, uh, as well as uh, the National Institute of Economic and Social Research uh, and the Rebuilding Macroeconomics uh, Network uh, of uh, Research. And of course, uh, we have, uh, as I said before, our results available on our website in the form of policy brief for those who are not economists. Uh, it's accessible to uh, every citizen, uh, even if they haven't uh, done uh, any uh, formal uh, training in economics. Uh, also, there is the technical report for those who are interested in the model, the theoretical novelty behind it and uh, uh, empirical analysis behind it. And we are always very happy to discuss with uh, all interested uh, parties, be it citizens, uh, businesses, uh, trade unions uh, or researchers or, or policymakers and politicians. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much. I would uh, add all your information. And if also if someone want to contact yourself, I will give the email or if there is some social media handles. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Brilliant. It was a pleasure. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.